and welcome to the Parker J. Cole Show. I am your host, the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today we are going to be talking to two of my favorite people in the whole world, my returning guest co-hosts and contributors today, Linda and Rich Nathan. As you know, they are the author of The Glittering Web, which is the book that really introduced me to them as well as gave me a lovely introduction into the new age and its glittering lies that it gives to people. And now they're back again with a new book called Psychedelic Seduction. And you may be wondering, what in the world are you guys going to talk about today? I can't wait to tell you in just a few moments. As always, we thank you for your support. To find out how you can help us out, simply go to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash writestuff and see how you can help out. We have been showcasing Christian authors for the past nine years, and as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. And so, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest co-hosts and contributors today, Linda and Rich. Linda and Rich, how are you doing today? Hey, Parker, it's good to be on here. Yeah, well, you know, good to generally talk to you good. Yeah, God is gracious. A little warfare here and there. <laughs> Blessings and battles. Blessings and Battles. That sounds like a title of a show. Sounds like a good book, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Blessings <laughs> and Battles, because you got to fight for both, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> In a way. I'm so glad, Rich and Linda, that you guys are here with me. You know, I have always enjoyed talking to you. I enjoy our fellowship offline as well as online, Amen. as well as just reading your books and really digging into this thing called the New Age. And today we're going to be talking about that because there is a growing trend among former Christians, they call themselves ex-evangelicals, as well as in the Christian world, they are being seduced by psychedelics. And we really want to speak to that today so our listeners can be aware of what is sneaking into the church and how we can best prepare for it. So let's go ahead, before we do that, just remind our audience a little bit about you guys. Well, we spent about four, we met in San Francisco, right in the middle of the so-called love generation and uh, 1962 at an anarchist group. <laughs> I can't say it was exactly love at first sight, but we connected and, and we actually, we are celebrating 60 years together this month and 59 years of marriage and 60 years together. Oh my but word. We spent, we plunged into the whole movement of the 60s and the psychedelic movement and uh, started out on LSD when we hardly even knew each other. And we're plunged into the occult world that comes with psychedelic drugs. And we spent 14 years in that, including being involved in a new age spiritualist church where I became eligible for minister's papers, but escaped fortunately before I went ahead with the final thing. And we fled to Oregon, uh, like so many did in our generation in the early 70s. And we got saved in, in 1976. And the Lord Jesus healed me of cancer at a point where I was, I was scheduled for a hysterectomy from, from uh, cervical cancer. And uh, I was 35. I hadn't been able to have children. And Jesus reached out and, and said, it's a simple matter for Christ to put his hand on the chaos that is cancer and bring order. And he healed me. He healed our marriage. He saved Richard and me both. Uh, and we just, we dropped out of school and we just turned in a completely different direction, began reading the Bible. Uh, and, then, he, and he gave us the promise 
of a child. Yeah, yeah. And then the promise manifested a year, a year later, later in our son. Yeah, and now we have three little grandchildren, which we still can hardly, we can hardly still believe we have a son, let alone three grandchildren. But the Lord has just been amazing. And then he started to open our eyes as to what the New Age movement that was coming in like a flood and, and what was happening in the churches. We got saved in a rather, in a very liberal Episcopal church. But we also got discipled by the Book of Common Prayer that they used in their services which came from the 16th century Reformation. So we got biblical teaching combined with a whole bunch of liberal junk. <laughs> so little by little, the Lord began yeah. to sort it out for us. We knew, I knew absolutely oh, yeah, nothing yeah. about Christianity and Christ, God, you know, all that was alien to me. I was, I was a, uh, how I say it now, a magic Marxist. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, and well, he was raised as a Marxist. Both his families were Marxist, and his father even knew Tao, Mao Zedong. So when he was younger, so I, I mean, they were they were the real thing. I thought it was real romantic when I first met him. <laughs> I, I learned I learned quickly. What's fascinating about that is you talk about how you grew up as a Marxist, and then you see that ideology being not only propagated but encouraged today, and it is quite frightening when you see it and people think, oh, you don't really understand what the ideology is. And you're sitting here saying, I do understand what the ideology is. <laughs> the Lord saved me from that ideology. That's one of the reasons why I always enjoy having you on my show because you help me understand things because you lived through it. Yeah. There's something, and I said this recently, there's something for maturity that youthfulness will never have. And that is that inner wisdom that is seeing things like a mile away, whereas before when you were younger, you just ran into it. Oh, we probably shouldn't have run into that wall. But now you can see the wall. <laughs> you can see the wall there. You can guide other so people. True. And so, so true. with your book, The Glittering Web, I read that book probably within a day. I think I live read it with you. It was <laughs> funny because I just picked up your, your website on Facebook a couple of years ago, and I just started sending you messages. Oh, there I loved it. it. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> And I know you probably were like, who is this? Nobody well, ever does that. It was wonderful. You went through almost line by line. And not only that, you were enthusiastic. That was the best oh my part. Gosh, I love that Very book. Encouraging. I love it was so encouraging. Because, I love that book. Because a lot of people have rejected it because it, it starts out really heavy and it goes through some yeah. really heavy stuff. Well, uh, some of the Christians who really were, aren't aware yeah. of what the New Age is or was, Kirsten, it is, it's, it's got a different name. Yeah. It's called now wokeness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and also progressivism it's called neo-paganism, new paganism, yeah. because it's the old paganism coming back again. Just gussied up in new, you know, new garb. That the, the Bible talks about, like in the first uh, chapter in Romans, mm -hmm. you know, it talks about this, the, the paganism, the idolatry. And, and that it we, goes from bad to worse, which we're seeing in our society. Yeah. So it's so seductive. That's the yeah. thing about it. It's very seductive, which brings me to our topic is that psychedelic seduction. And as a romance novelist, as you guys know, when the hero wants to, you know, lure the girl towards him or make her fall in love, he was seduces her, not necessarily sexually, but he uses the lure 
to bring her into his arms, to embrace her, to do whatever. And we're not, like I said, we're not talking sexually per se. We're just talking about the lure, the that little thing that just keeps you tagging along, kind of like the carrot in front of the animal. You just keep the carrot just dangling, dangling, dangling. And that's what the psychedelic seduction is. It's not always this overt embracing of your senses or of your imagination even. It's just a little taste. Just have a little taste of something. Yeah, it's just a, it's a promise that, Life can be a little more exciting. That you can have a little more edge to it. You know, you can get, you can heal more. You can, you know, feel more alive. That's how they're pushing the psychedelic. And one of the reasons we actually, it's a booklet, 20-page booklet through Lighthouse Trails Publishing. And the reason we wrote it is because major institutions in our society are now releasing psychedelics in major ways. I mean, Harvard has a, a school. An institute to study psychedelic drugs and doing massive research. And the NIH recently approved a big grant to uh, study uh, psychedelics. Yeah. Harvard has got a, a thing in their law school where they're studying how to have equity with psychedelics. I mean, uh, all this stuff that during this up through the 70s and 80s and 90s was pretty re- oppressed. You know, drugs were, psychedelics were, you know, schedule one drug. You couldn't, weren't supposed to use them. But now it's all breaking loose, and it's coming in into our society in a major way. It's also coming into the church in a major way. And marijuana yeah. is one of the big door openers uh, uh, to it, getting marijuana legalized. And there's just one uh, marijuana, the high THC marijuana is a, a psychedelic. Uh, and You're going to say what the high THC uh, well, what You pronounce the word. Richard worked in a psychiatric institution, locked doors. For 30 years, he's retired now. He's still. No, I wasn't locked in. <laughs> right. <laughs> I want to make that clear. Make that clear. He did come home but, at the end of the uh, day. <laughs> but what it did is it plunged me back into that, that uh, old tangle uh, that you know started in the 60s, mm-hmm. but is now and it just in a it was a San Francisco phenomenon, mm-hmm. but now it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's in. Country towns and... Uh, yeah, we live in this little town up in the foothills of the Cascades. And there are like two pot shops, you know, and it's just, you know, with yeah. maybe one restaurant, and but two pot shops. And it's just um, everywhere. So, and, and kids are getting all the candies that are pushed, you know, really full of the high uh, THC, which is the psychedelic element of marijuana. So marijuana in itself is a huge problem. And there's a massive rush to try to make it like it's really good. But the psychedelics like LSD and mescaline and ayahuasca, uh, psilocybin, uh, they're all experimenting with them. The government is experimenting with them. These institutions are experimenting with them. The Navy SEALs are even using uh, them to try to make themselves more effective. I mean, it's it's like an explosion uh, everywhere. And to me, to Richard, they are they are jet fuel for the false religion. They are door openers into the occult. And that's what happened to us taking LSD. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, because people may be confused about the term psychedelics, because when I think of psychedelics, I think of trippy, of a trippy feel. I think of bright lights, colors, weird sounds and music. You're not quite here. You're not quite there. But that's I, I've never really done drugs. So I don't. I honestly don't know. Consider yourself fortunate. All right. Here's here's out of our booklet. What is what are psychedelics? Normally includes LSD, mescaline, peyote, high THC concentrate marijuana. There's a lot of imitations that are very dangerous. 
there's magic mushrooms like psilocybin, uh, ayahuasca, there's designer drugs, uh, there's all sorts of varieties of this stuff. What they do is they manipulate ordinary consciousness by affecting your senses, altering thinking, time sense, and emotions, and changing perception, mood, and cognition. They produce hallucinations and psychotic states. And the most important thing of all from uh, our point of view and what we've been through is they open you up to spiritual deception. They are drugs. Demonic influence. They are sorcery drugs that have been used for centuries in pagan cultures in their religious ceremonies. Uh, There's nothing new about them at all. They're just being dressed up for our time for a a more, quote, scientific society, and they're being masqueraded in scientific terminology. Yeah, and and it's... It's coming in under the banner of mental health. Mental health, yes. You know, and, and therapy. And there's yeah. huge conferences going on to train medical personnel and how to use your use psychedelic for um, you know healing. And they're they're even trying to how do how do you get how can you use psychedelics and get rid of the trip? And then, you know, good luck. <laughs> Well, anyway. the whole point of utilizing these is to alter your state of consciousness. Yeah, yeah. So it's right. to break barriers down. Yes. Because we yeah. are yeah, yeah. created us as thinking beings to yeah. use our critical skills to navigate reality around us. Yeah, right. right. That's scientific, to be honest. I feel like that was a scientific answer right there. But the lure of losing yourself, losing those boundaries, not being held back by reality, if you will, that is seductive. I know for a fact I had a dream, one of the best dreams ever. Right? It was a dream, too. It was a really good dream. I didn't want to leave, right? I didn't right, want to leave. Right. And then I woke up like, no, come back. <laughs> you know, but that's the dream. You had to come out of a dream. So essentially we are, do you believe that with this psychedelic infl- infusion, rather, this psychedelic infusion, of these drugs that alter your state of consciousness, we are exchanging reality for a dream world. Right. Except yeah. it's a fantasy world and a pagan world. It's for Christians, it's especially dangerous because it really opens you up to what we call drug augmented fantasy. And, and it leads you down a path, uh, and we speak from experience, all right deeper and deeper into paganism and the pagan mind. I mean, a lot of the people that talk about these, these using these drugs, uh, here's, here's a couple of quotes. This is a, a, from a book called Changing Our Minds, Psychedelic Sacraments and the New Psychotherapy. So they're treating it like a sacrament. And he says, the coming psychedelic renaissance has its roots in both the laboratory and the jungle. It is both scientific and shamanic. So it, sh- shamans use it. Shaman, it means basically a witch, witch. doctor, a witch, witch doctor. Yeah. No. And then another quote, substance, they are substances capable of generating the divine within. So these are very dangerous and very seductive. And believe me, we thought we were, I mean, our book, The Glittering Web, really goes into it. Our, our characters are real naive and idealistic, and they plunge into that world, and they think that, their sight, the LSD makes them feel like God. In fact, one researcher said that's one of the most common reactions to LSD is you, you think you're God. Yeah. In fact, at one point, Richard, Richard thought he was God and I was supposed to be his assistant. <laughs> well, God does need an assistant. That's, uh, I'm being facetious, of course, but let me ask you this question. So we have this movement. People 
who have lived through this like yourselves, you are sounding out the cry that this is not what you want to do. And there are others in Christian circles that I am a part of who are also sending out the alarm. Like, it's not what you think. There is something rather insane about how human nature is very repetitious. Like you say, you guys experienced it back in the 60s. Now you're experiencing it, seeing it rather again here, but it's being touted under different names. But you said, I know that from over here, 500 miles away, and I can still see it. So your book, Psychedelic Seduction, it is a herald. It's that voice in the middle of all this chaos saying, hey, this is not what you want to do. Now, I mentioned for Christians, we have to be on guard because there are particularly a lot of ex-evangelical, they call themselves ex-evangelicals because they're not with quote-unquote organized religion anymore. The church hurt them. The church did this, whatever. And they tend to gravitate toward using psychedelics to have quote-unquote a better experience with God. I'm pretty sure you've Seen those stories. Oh, yeah. And Richard worked, you know, as I said, in the psych unit, he, he saw thousands of patients and so many just blasted by these drugs and thinking yeah. they were God. And I mean, it was just. And, and there was definitely Christian youth yeah, there yeah. coming there and being yeah. utterly deceived about what was happening to them mentally and spiritually and demonic manifestations and uh, he really and it, and, saw and it, it was it was opening doorways that should not be open that the bible warns against yeah Demo- these demonic doorways you know the principalities and powers and say this is also directly connected with the what used to be called the occult mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and now they talk call it the woke mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it just, it's so uh, frightening when, you know, you're thinking about the, so, the these kids are in danger of losing their souls, you know. Yeah, definitely. And being sold out for uh, the devil and his kingdom of darkness. One of the hugely dangerous aspects of it, and it was pointed out, we have a quote in the booklet, and it's pointed out by a psychedelic therapist, and he says that, your nervous system on psychedelics is super activated. It isn't just floating around the earth. It's having direct encounters with entities. Okay. Now these, these, he calls them aliens and godlike entities, but in our experience, they are demons. And um, they are, they're saying um, um, in the therapy communities that part of what's really therapeutic is having these encounters because these demon guys, and believe me, as a spiritualist minister, I, had that happening and you get you get direction you get you get told everything except that Jesus Christ is lord you get told that you know you're wonderful or they'll give advice they point out problems they'll they'll give you supposed insight they'll give you accurate information about things this is just plain old demonic stuff the bible has warned about for centuries so, but some of these tales of what happens to people uh, on these drugs is terrible. Let me just read a quote by the man who discovered LSD. And that was, his name was Albert Hoffman. He was a Swiss chemist. I think it was 1937. And this is what he said about, about his LSD experience. A demon had invaded me, had taken possession of my body, mind, and soul. 
I jumped up and screamed, trying to free myself from him, but then sank down again and lay helpless on the sofa. The substance with which I had wanted to experiment had vanquished me. It was the demon that scornfully triumphed over my will. So there you go. There's There it is. And um, It's interesting that he talked about being imprisoned. Yeah. That, yeah. Again, that's the lore. That's the lore. I am reminded of the story recently, very recently, of a corrections officer who helped a convicted murderer escape prison. And I was thinking he, he was serving 75 years sentence. So he's got time to lure her with whatever he's talking about. And she's feeling some type of way. Her family are wrecked. They're terrified he may kill her. But from the inside, she's thinking, oh, this is this guy maybe loves me. He didn't really do it. The evidence is wrong. Whatever you want. And I'm thinking to myself, guy is not in jail for, let's say, white collar crime, you know, stealing money. He's not in jail for, you know, stealing candy cane. (laughs) He's in jail for murder. Okay. We're not talking a little bit. We're talking not accidental. We're talking premeditated homicide, okay? For me, that would be a huge deterrent <laughs> for me. But for her, he's, he had to have seduced her. He had to have just given her a hint. Had to. And the inmates actually were, when they were investigating, the inmates said, yeah, she gave him special privileges. It wasn't of a physical nature, but she gave him special privileges. And I couldn't help but see the parallel of letting these things in. So using that example of that officer who helped this inmate escape, I could just see the same difference when it comes to the seduction of psychedelics, wanting the sweetness of it. And in the end, all you're doing is leading yourself to death. And like you, Rich, you had that look on your face as you were talking. You said, they can steal our children's souls. That's that's the terrifying part. It's not just the adults. We care about the adults, too, but it's the children because they're introducing it to elementary schools. They're introducing it to kindergartens. They're introducing it to the young ones. And you're sitting there going, I can't believe it. I can't believe we're sacrificing our children on altars to capricious gods, if you will. If I can be literary for a minute. If you're sacrificing them and you kind of sit there and you pray for them. The other day, there is a dedication at our church and the little girl, she's a baby. She's just a baby. And literally, my heart poured out to her, and I said, please, Jesus, protect her in this world that would kill her if it could. And so with the psychedelic seduction, it's not just adults this is affecting. It's affecting your children, nine-year-olds, five-year-olds, teens who are going through stuff, and teenagers, they don't know anything. They're stupid. They don't know anything, but they think they do. And then you have a world that encourages ignorance in many different ways. And you're letting them just, you know, so we have to pray for them. And so with psychedelic seduction, what you're doing, you're putting this book out there for parents, for teachers, for Sunday school teachers, pastors. I know you will be open to, hey, we can do a study on this. We can help you really equip your church with understanding this. Sometimes I think the church is so focused on Christian living that we're not focused on battle. We're not focused on spiritual warfare. We found, you know, when I first got saved and we came into this church uh, that we were in, that the Lord put us in, I felt like this crazy woman who had come out of a deep, dark jungle and, and into this, this stuffy, closed up parlor where all these people were sitting around with their cups of tea. And it was like, ooh, who opened the door? Who, who let her in? You know? <laughs> well, you don't know what it's like out there, I felt like saying. 
you know, and they're, oh, oh, please, you're ready this draft is, you know. But there's I, we, still it, feel, we still feel somewhat that way. There's a lot of churches are just, well, they're unwilling for the spiritual battle. And they're ignorant of the, um, a lot of pastors, unfortunately, seem very ignorant of the, the effects of, of why marijuana is a problem or let alone LSD, you know. Well, Rich, let me ask you a question now, because it brings, as I was listening to Linda, mental health. Are you saying that mental health is something we do need to be concerned about? You know, I do believe the mind can be sick, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, there's a, there's a lot to it. You know, I've been been spending, oh, you know, 30 years kind of immersed in the mental health community while not really endorsing a lot of things that are happening. And there's there's confusion between mental health and just your your walk with the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if you're not if you're a Christian and you're not walking by the spirit, you're going to be you're going to have a troubled life. Because God, you know, he says, he commands, he says, walk in the spirit, and then you will not satisfy the sinful nature. Because the sinful nature is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit is contrary to the sinful nature. And I think the, the, the mental health component gets all tangled up in that area. And so they, I mean, they tend to say, if you're sorrowing, and you might be sorrowing for sin, you might be sorrowing for loss, that sorrowing is a mental problem, you know, and, and you need medicine for it and this talk therapy mm-hmm. because you're not meant to suffer. The suffering has no value. Whereas in Christianity, the right kind of suffering has great value mm-hmm. because we follow a Lord who suffered death on a cross for our sins, you know, not his. And that uh, there's a, an incredible confusion that comes in where people can't tell one their right hand from their left. Mm-hmm. And like we sort of recently had some encounters in a very conservative church that doctrinally was was really, really right, right on, but these things were happening drug temptations were entering the church through mental health things and people were actually using marijuana and e- even psychedelic drugs that they said would would you know for healing yeah, yeah for healing yeah you know and uh being unable to tell the difference and when we would bring up that this is warned about this is dangerous you know, it was like a there's a big flurry of rejection, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's like they go on un- the people go underground and they won't talk to you about it anymore. I would like to add a little something to that. I, I got my degree in psychology many, many years ago before I knew anything really that I was doing about it. But the Lord has shown me what an avenue modern psychology is into the occult. It is just moved right, can just move you right along the line in that direction. Uh, and I recently, I've been an editor, you know, for many years, and I recently was editing a book for a, a Christian professor and therapist, or a counselor, he calls himself a counselor. And he wrote the book to try to wake up the therapy community that it's not just psychology that you use, you need to, for this, these are Christians. He says so many churches have sold out to psychology 
they no longer do what used to be called care of souls, which was pastoral biblical counseling to bring people to Christ and walk in the spirit. Instead, they're giving them all these psychology methods. I could go into detail, but I won't. And he says one of the big areas is they no longer talk about demons. And so what do you do when you encounter demons in your clients? You know, so he's writing this whole book to try to uh, educate uh, his fellow counselors and, and everything. And it's it's a field that's very been very much taken over by secular psychology and not by uh, biblical thinking. And a lot of churches nowadays, people just go through, well, Richard went to seminary, and it was the same thing there, where they, they train you to refer cases to psychologists, you know, not to not to train the Christians themselves, the pastors, that they can do the counseling. So there's this huge area of, of that we could probably talk about for another 10 years with, with these problems. And I think things like psychedelics are finding uh, niches to come into through this kind of, these avenues. So anyway, that's another whole kettle of fish. Well, for our listeners out there, I hope you have been just intrigued and provoked by the conversation we had with Linda and Rich. And you can get their book, which is a small book. It's only like less than 50 pages. It's a really small book, but it's called Psychedelic Seduction. And it is available. You can tell me how it's available, Linda. It's available at lighthousetrails.com, $1.95, 20 pages actually. And we have other booklets there for sale too on the New Age. And our one several years ago called The Cross and the Marijuana Leaf, that was a warning to Christians about all that. You had me on the program about that. And But this one is, I would say, quite groundbreaking. I don't see any other Christians really talking about this topic. And it's greatly researched with like over 100 footnotes. And um, we really tried to illuminate the problems clearly. There's a, the, the introduction part talks about what's going on in the world. It goes on talking about the way big business has gotten into it, big pharma, uh, the big intellectual institutions, billions of dollars are being put into research just to push psychedelics. And then the second part of the booklet goes into why it's a problem for Christians especially and how it, it activates your sinful nature, how it opens you up to demons. And so anyway, we there's, there's something for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's designed for parents yeah, of kids. Yeah, yeah who are getting into these drugs and, uh, you know, leaders and people who need to know how to guide the the young people, you know, away from precipice. Mm -hmm. Also, Uh, I wanted to just say we have a novel that's almost finished that has been, we've been working on for a lot of years and it's called the Hexenmeister, which means Hexmaster or Witch. And that uh, I feel like the Lord is saying this is necessary to be put forth like that. And it's about a deceived Episcopal minister and... and Seminarian. Yeah, seminarian goes to Switzerland on a, you know, to study with this great psychologist who also seems to be a mystical uh, guru. You know, and um, that's the title. It's a, a hexen master is about him and how this young man is deceived and goes deeper and deeper into darkness. And but he meets this 
young girl who's a Christian and anyway, anyway so it's a romance. It's, an, it's a romance and it's a mystery an adventure, and adventure. And uh, it's uh, we also are finishing uh, the third book in our Omega Point uh, trilogy, where the glittering web, and then the second book is Darkness Comes In Like a Flood. So the third book, not quite settled on the title yet, but it, we're hoping it'll be out in the coming new year. And and then we're going to start the new series with the Hexenmeister. And, but they all tie together into the same worldview, and, and they all explore these same topics in various, from different angles. So the Hexenmeister also explores the psychedelic issue, as well as the other books in our series. But the, the, the Omega Point series, I just want to say quickly, is designed to help, is designed to reach those who are not Christians, who are deep in the New Age, and help them come out. And the second book is designed to help to start to disciple them and what they're going to run into, the world, the flesh, and the devil, the battles. And then the third book really focuses on the sovereignty of God and how God is training and equipping Christians to stand in the midst of intense persecution. So that's uh, that's our kind of our mission. So What I love about it is that, you know, here you are, you may be thinking, you know, hey, very 60-something years, you know, we're clocking, we're getting older, and the Lord said, I still have work for you to do. Yeah. And I love it. <laughs> I remember the, the so far the oldest first-time novelist I had on my show, he wrote his first book when he was 80. Well, wow. and I, I am 80. Yeah. But no, but you've already written your first book, though. <laughs> so, but this was You're his right. first time, right. debut novelist, 80 years old. And my youngest was seven. And so you're never too young or too old to do the work that God right. has for you. You're never too young or too old. And here you are, the Lord is using you right now in this place right now with all the things you've learned, all the things you accumulated to be of use for someone like me, because I've, I've grown just listening to you guys. I don't put myself in a position to be tempted, and I hope I never do do that, which is why I love to have people who kind of anchor me. <laughs> you know, they kind of anchor me. It's like, you know, stuff like that, like yourself, you, you know, you and Rich, and then Marsha's one of them, some more people. There are more people who are coming out of this trying to help Christians get on the program. And that's because why do they have to come out to save us? Because we're not the ones entrenched into this thing. We're not in spiritual battle. We're worried about making sure people don't feel bad. And I'd rather feel bad and you save my life than feel good and you let me fall and break my neck. You know, And that's what it kind of comes down to. So Linda and Rich, I really have, as always, enjoyed having you on the show. For our listeners out there, get your copy of Psychedelic Seduction at Lighthouse Trails. Go to their website online. And there's more where that's at. If you want to read their fiction, first book is to get The Glittering Web. That was the book that latched me on to Linda and Rich, and they can't let go of me. They tried, and they can't <laughs> let go of me now. I'm like one of those carbuncles that just stays <laughs> And their stories are so very vivid, and it gives you a lot of education about the New Age without preaching and hitting you overhead with it. I still remember the book, even though I haven't read it in a couple of years. I still remember the story, the characterization, everything about it. And then Darkness Comes In Like a Flood, just continue that story. And then they tell me now, oh, next year, you know, as if we have promised tomorrow to us. And I want it now. I want the third book now. <laughs> but I'll, I'll wait. I'll be patient. There's, you know, there's something to be said for patience, you know. But I really have enjoyed having you to our listeners. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Parker J. Cole Show. You have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day. And God bless.